Yes, people, what's happening? Welcome to the Josh Hardman Perspective Podcast, the podcast where we talk about fitness, business, mental health, positivity, lifestyle, and all different other subjects. I'd appreciate if you do listen to this, if you can tag me in your Instagram stories, just to show that you are listening, and also share it as well. Appreciate it. Let's get started. Yes, people, welcome to episode 10 of the Josh Hardman Perspective podcast. Um, you're going to be listening to this off the back of my social media detox. Um, I've done a 30-day social media detox, so you'll be hearing this off the back of that. Um, so you're going to be hearing this guest podcast. This is going to be my third guest on the podcast, and it's going to be quite a it's going to be a conversation that's very much needed in not just today's society, but the current situation during lockdown. So in terms of today's guest, he has featured on a TEDx talk. He is a mental health and travel well-being consultant. Um, he's tr- transformed and changed the lives of people within companies, groups, and on an individual level. He helps um, individuals who struggle with the challenges that the world may represent. And he looks to help bring humanity back into the world, uh, into the workplace to show empathy and make a difference. Welcome, Matthew Holman. Thank you, Josh. No Pleasure worries. to be here. How um, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself first? Yeah, sure. Um, what a wonderful introduction. So, thank you so much for for putting that in there. Um, yeah, I'm just you know what I'm passionate about humans, and 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 everything I do is really to help support anyone that's struggling, and you know that's come from personal experience and give you a little bit of my, my history, I guess, in terms of why I do this. And, and it's only in recent years that I've really sort of stepped into this world of mental health, well-being, supporting others. But I spent 20 years in a, in a, in a global corporate role and I was sort of a global business traveler. And it's an area where I'm very in, invested into because I spent 20 years in that role. And basically 20 years of excessive travel, um, some of the excesses that come with that lifestyle as well. Um, had a really negative impact on me to the point in 2016 where I had my own mental health crisis. And it was something that was never really talked about. I was never really open about mental health. I'd never really spoken to anybody about any challenges that I might have been through. And yeah, as I've probably no doubt talked to you about this during this podcast, lots of things sort of happened during that journey. Um, really bad analogy, but the journey of that experience of 20 years um, that caused my my moment of sort of... Uh, yeah, of impact, I guess, is the best way to, to put it. Um, and so I decided from that that I wanted to help others. I think that really gave me an awakening, um, a moment where it's more clarity around the values that I really had. Um, I had to change focus from what I was doing previously and sort of spun out my own company and, and Simpler Healthy Solutions, my business was sort of born out of my need to change, to come back, to reinvent myself and to be able to then do something in a different capacity. When I was in travel, when I was traveling for 20 years, I was doing sort of sales roles. My background, I'm a qualified accountant, so totally <laughs> irrelevant to the conversation we've got on this mental health topic. Um, but those things didn't really make me happy. They didn't really help me to, to sort of see how I could support others. And, I, and I'm a very people person. Um, when I did my TED talk, and I know you mentioned it in the introduction, 
I was talking about us all having, you know, the same uh, credits every day of 24 hours. And I think that's really important. So, so, so many things have driven me to this place. Um, some other personal experiences that I've been through as well have made this a very passionate subject matter for me. And I've been around people who've suffered for years. And, and now I can see that and I can support that and I can encourage people to, to do the right things to, you know, support conversations. And that's so important. And, you know, your invitation to come on this podcast is fantastic because I jump at the opportunity to be able to talk about mental health now. Um, there's no shame in this subject and I want people to really believe that. Um, and we can all do more. And that's what's really important. So lots of things to discuss, no doubt. Um, lots of stories that I can share and tell. And I know you've got some questions, Josh, you want to ask me as well directly. So yeah, very happy to be participating in this. Lots of we can do with it. A hundred percent. And I love the fact that you've took time out of your day to do this, but just without kind of going a bit further, we're, gonna, we're just going to start with a little bit of an icebreaker. So um, okay. the whole lockdown period, um, once it's kind of um, calmed down a bit, once we hit some form of normality, you can finally go out. You, you can finally go out with your friends, your missus or, you know, your children. You're going to go for something to eat. Where are you going to go and what are you going to eat? Oh, wow. Um, you know what? I've, I've been very lucky in my life to eat in some really exclusive places, but the place I miss right now is Nando's. Um, sounds really bizarre, right? I'm a basic kind of guy. I'm a, I just love simple stuff, but spicy food. So it'll, it'll either be a Nando's or I'll be going for a curry with my mates. Okay, so without, without being judgmental there, what's your Nando's order? Oh, um, half chicken, spicy fry, or peri-peri fries. Um, yeah, so hot, hottest you can get. So you're talking and extra coles, Yeah, extra hot cider coleslaw. Lovely. And the second question is, all flights are back up and running, so everything's back to normal in terms of the aviation industry. Where are you going? Who are you going with? So I'm going with my family, and we're going to France, because my wife's from France, so we haven't seen our fa family in France now for about a year. So we're going there. Okay, lovely. Fantastic. So in terms of your brief introduction and a little bit about what you said before, what is this 24-hour human that you kind of brought up on this TED Talk? In a, in a brief yeah. summary. Okay, yeah. Um, so si simple is, you know, the idea is that this 24-hour this humans, we're all humans, right? First, we're humans. That's what we have to remind ourselves before we go to work. You know, when we get up in the morning, we're human beings. Um, and what I'm trying to do with 24-hour humans is to remind organizations and individuals and whoever you want to talk to that we all have the same amount of time every day. And it's interesting when you said about me investing time to come on this podcast, because that's how I see my time now. I invest it in things that mean something to me that mean that I'm making a difference or I'm keeping myself, you know, fulfilled, I guess is the best way. The idea of the 24 hour humans was to try and help people to reflect away from or deflect away from this thought that we're always busy. Cause you hear that excuse a lot. I can't do this because I'm too busy. I can't do that because I'm too busy. All the things we want to do, we, we put aside because we're too busy. And so the idea of 24 hour humans is to say, well, think about how you invest your time every single day. We know we need eight hours sleep. So we take that, those sleep credits out of, out of the bank. And then we have 16 hours of things to be done. And that can be a blend of home life. That can be a blend of sports. That can be a blend of, you know, relaxing, meditating or whatever. But be conscious of your choices because lots of people sit there and say, I don't have time. But the reality is they do, but they don't focus on how they spend their time. And that's what 24 hour humans really was trying to represent, you know, and to, to get people to, to focus, you know, focus on. 
Yeah, I love that. And in terms of your kind of personal experience, you briefly touched on before. Um, yes. You go. Can you go a little bit further into it and how you overcame it in terms of you know what was the next step? Yeah, definitely. So, so you know, I'm not blaming 20 years of travelling for the, what happened to me, but it did t- sort of come to this this point where I lost a job very suddenly. Um, unexpectedly, I was. I, I used to fly between the US and the UK every month. I'd be in the US for a week and, and back in the UK for three, and and I didn't realise the toll it was taking on me. So when I crashed, I crashed quite heavily because not only did I feel physically and mentally exhausted, um, I was now being told by an employer they didn't want me either. So so that had a huge impact and bearing on me, and I struggled with post traumatic stress because of that um, experience. Um, it was hard. But you know what? The thing that I always hang on to and the thing that was really important to me was I had some really good friends who didn't judge me, who didn't say I was rubbish, who didn't tell me I was a piece of, you know, you know this. And I felt that way. I felt rubbish. I felt worthless. I felt like, you know what? No, I'm never going to get a job again. Nobody's ever going to employ me. And I get that. And that's what I'm trying to help people to understand. And they helped me back. And two very good friends of mine supported me back to work through my company. So I said, look, I'm going to do this small business consulting. It wasn't actually born out of mental health work at that time. It was very much, I need a job. I need to do something. And if I can help anybody, let me know and I'll come and help you. And because I'd been burnt by a company, I had this attitude there that said, I don't want to work for anybody ever again. I don't ever want to have to have an employer that can do that to me or to, you know, and I don't want others to feel that way. So those were some of my drivers, my passion, my friends helped me back. And one of my friends in particular, um, he contacted me and he, he runs a company around mental health and well-being. And that's how my first steps into mental health and well-being started. Um, and that was a great journey and a great experience and some amazing stories from that as well in terms of my awareness raising education points for me personally. Um, so they helped me through it. You know, that was a massive piece. My family are great. My wife's an angel and, you know, they've stuck through thick and thin with me and put up with a lot of stuff and, you know, and now I can recognize that. And, you know, I appreciate that so much. It's, it's an immense power. Yeah, that's an interesting insight. And just something to add to that as well with the whole 24-hour human is like some jobs nowadays, I feel like we're almost puppets on strings and identified as names and numbers instead of actual yeah. people in terms of, you know, yeah. our emotional attachment, emotional well-being, social well-being. And I feel it's something that people need to really realize, you know, that your mental health, the way you think, the way you act is more important than the job. Brilliant. Yeah. You know, it's so true. And the thing that I talk about when I'm training with people is, you know, nobody turns up to work to do a crap job, right? Nobody does that on purpose. That is not a choice that anybody will make when they wake up in the morning. You don't wake up and go, today I'm going to be rubbish at my job. You wake up in the morning and sometimes things are challenging you. That's a mental impact. That's something that's happened. That might have been an argument with somebody. That might have been a, you know, a, a worry, a concern, an anxiety. And when you go to work, that often shows itself. And that shows itself in a performance measure. And that's something that we need to be tuned into. You know, loads of stuff we can tune into, definitely, that we don't see as being mental health impact. You know? And I'm not saying illness. I'm just saying things that impact our mental health. And it's like you've just said, like somebody could come across in a way that that seems arrogant, rude, but obviously behind them closed doors, they might be dealing with grief. They might have lost a family member. They might have lost a friend. They might have, um, I don't know, they might have, they might have had something happen in their life where it's really affected them. But you know, if they don't go to work, they don't get paid. So they still have to go to work. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, in the current situation and you know, let's fast forward to this moment right now, it's, we're seeing much more of that 
reality. You know, we're going to see a lot more of that long term impact of, of the current crisis on people's mental well-being. And, you know, people are going to be fearful to go back to work. People are worried. Listen to what's going on with schools and you know, families are worried about sending their children back into classrooms. And those are worries. Those are anxieties. And then they've still got to do a job. You know, and, and that's what we have to adjust for now. And we have to, this is a great conversation because it's so important for people to know it's okay. These things are normal. Anxiety, depression, they exist in our society at a very big level. They're not small things, they're big things. And if you're struggling with them, now's the time to be able to, to talk about them and tell your, tell your employer or tell your loved one, you know, I'm worried about this. You know, I'm concerned about this situation. Um, and that's so important. So in terms of this topic, mental health, I mean, it can mean a multiple, multiple arrays of kind of topics and subjects, but in your most summarized form, can you tell mm -hmm. the people what actually is mental health in, in, an, in an easy, easy way you can, as easy as you can? Should it? It's a great, it's a great question. You, you, you've stolen my playbook because this is the, the question that I ask when I train and I train, you know, a lot of people in mental health, well-being, you know, awareness and things like that. And we ask that question and, and it's fascinating to hear how people have struggled to interpret what the answer is. So I think the biggest thing to remind ourselves is that we all have mental health, right? And I'm sure this is a, not a new piece of news for anybody. We all have mental health, but what we don't all have is mental ill health. And that's a big differentiation. We have to make that really clear. Um, and the narrative is really important because a lot of people get hung up on mental health being depression, anxiety, and so on. Those are serious issues to mental health, but they're not part, you know, they're not mental health itself. But for me, to just to give you a quick definition, it's about how we think, how we feel, how we behave. And it's how things impact us personally. Um, so if you experience a trauma or an incident or an accident or something like that, and even this is one that people find quite interesting from a reality check, which is, you know, somebody has a physical accident injury, whether it's playing sport or whether it's doing something, you know, by, purely by accident, an accident in a car, perhaps. We're very quick to deal with the physical impact of that. We, we put a splint on it. We recover it. We help people back. We give them physio. What we don't often do is support the mental impact of that. And every trauma, incident, accident, event has a mental scar. And so just to give you an idea of what that looks like, somebody has a car accident and has some physical injuries, bruises, whiplash, and so on. Then you ask them to get back into a car. They're not actually worried about the physical consequences of that accident. What they're now worried about is the mental impact of that accident. So am I going to be safe? What's going to happen when I drive off the driveway? What's going to happen when I get to the first round? You know, and so you can see how actually the mental health impact is huge in all of these situations. So, you know, that's, that's how I would define it. It's how we think, feel, behave, how things impact our mental well-being from all different perspectives and they will yeah and just touching on that obviously with the whole mental health situation is it can be one of the biggest unnoticeable things in terms of you know anyone can can anyone can mask it i mean anyone can hide it with a smile with a with a, a nervous yeah. laugh or and, and just touching on that i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong but in my opinion, um, I feel like we are the only ones who can change or dictate how we feel. And I feel like depression or anxiety isn't contagious to the extent people think it is. And it simply comes from something that we have created. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I think, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think you've, you've, you've got a really good insight into the way that it looks. I, th I think the challenge is for a lot of people is because they don't, they've never experienced it. 
you don't know what it feels like. You can't empathize with that person necessarily, or you don't get the feeling of what that is. You know, when, when people with things like depression are presenting, you'll see some of those behaviors, you know, you'll see people not want to be socially with people. You'll see people who will, you know, potentially have you know, other behaviors that are, they're showing to, to others. But the challenge you've got here, and, and this is the reality, Josh, is, you know, I can see you on the screen. I can see you there. I can't tell you by looking at you how you feel right now. I don't know what's going on in your head. I don't know how you feel. I don't know if you've got any underlying issues or you're worried about other things. And that's the challenge we've all got because you can look at me and the bits that I tell you, you know, they're giving you insights, but you couldn't say how I feel. There's only one person that can take ownership of the feeling question and that's me or you. And, and, and that's why we have to learn. And I'm a strong believer of this, that the, the, the only question we need to learn to ask better is how people are feeling asking people how they're really feeling but really with a sentiment of i want to support you if you're feeling worried if you're feeling low or you've got other challenges then how can i help you i think that's really important yeah and i think that makes so much sense because like you've just mentioned then i mean you can you can you can stay here and talk to me for an hour now but ultimately until i control how i feel nothing's going to change no you're absolutely right and it's self-awareness is really important when I struggled in 2016 with my own mental health issues, I became so aware of things that were happening around my mental health. And with others' support, I managed to get through that. And I'm very lucky. And, you know, I genuinely feel that way, hand on heart. I'm very lucky that, that I've had that support through. But now I can feel when things aren't feeling right. So, you know, another example, earlier this year, I, I started developing mild depression and, you know, and I'm not ashamed of talking about that. I was just feeling really low and I had some of the, the key markers for depression. Um, but I was aware of that. And then I was able to do something to support that. So I slowed down a little bit on what I was working on. I took time to recover well. I took more time for me. I was practicing a lot more kindness to myself. And I think that's the challenge that lots of people face because they don't know that they're living with something that's potentially you know, got some risks attached to it, they won't do anything to change it. And it's almost like life when you grow up and, you know, you, you, we, I get older, my hair went gray and white and, you know, my belly started to expand because I turned 40 and, 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 and it's almost like you just accept it as well. That's just me, but we have to learn to try and challenge it sometimes to change that. So, and in terms of mental health problems, um, like I've said to yeah. you the last few days, I've had people close to me um, open up, pull me to one side, you know, talk about their anxiety problems, their, their kind of their depression, their lack of kind of purpose yeah. in life. What actually, what do you think it is that causes these problems? Is it, you know, feeling like you're not going anywhere in life? Is it, um, your reaction to, like I said before, um, losing a family member or, yeah. um, you know, feeling almost like you're, you're not worth anything. Like you mentioned about your personal experiences. What is it that actually causes these problems? Well, it can be, it can be a really complex mix. You know, this is a, this, we could break down each one and try and work out what everybody's individual. The thing is we're all unique and this is the challenge we have with all of this, right? Because, personal experiences will, will determine your future, will determine your path. Um, when I do mental health training, we talk about this thing called the frame of reference. It's quite a fascinating, um, you know, sort of, ex, ex, um, what's it called, exercise to go through because, you know, when you look at all the things that will have influenced your life, 
your gender, your age, your religion, your beliefs, your color, your ethnicity, your family unit, the things, you know, your schooling, your education, where you grew up in social you know, areas and so on. They all have an impact and they all have a bearing on your, you know, your future in the way that you live your life. Bullying is a, you know, is a big issue. And some people have been bullied at a younger age. And, and we see a lot of the outpouring of mental health issues around surrounding bullying as people grow up and you know, come through adolescence into sort of young adulthood. So, so lots of things can have a big bearing on that. And often we don't know that other people have experienced those. This thing about the frame of reference is fascinating because when you ask people to defer, determine how they feel about certain things, they recognize it's because of this system that they've grown up through. And I mean their own system, not through a system of society. And it's been influencing lots of different things in their world. You know, why is it some people are mentally stronger than others? Why is it some people thrive through anxiety and stress and others struggle? That's because we're all unique and different in the way that we've been built. And we have to recognize those challenges and those uniquenesses about individuals. It's like training, you know, and, and from your experience of training individuals, not everybody will train the same way. Everybody has a different approach to it. Everybody has a different reality of what they want to achieve with it. And it's exactly the same with this. And it will be impacted by stimulants that come from all over. You know, social media is, is a big player in terms of people feeling inadequate, people feeling, you know, that they're, they're not successful because my mates have done better or my, this person's doing this. I want to be, you know, and there's lots of these wannabes out there who want to be an influencer, want to do this, want to do that. And I think we have to go and recognise that it's not always achievable. It's only a very small percentage of people get there. And just Does that make some sort the- of sense? Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. I agree with everything you said, but just just to touch onto the social media thing, um, mm. I think I think people need to realise that social media is a, a minuscule percentage of somebody's life, somebody's yeah. you know, somebody's behind closed doors, somebody's uh, you know. I the thing is, people um, they compare their behind the scenes to somebody's highlight reel, and then yep. you know they start to think, why is he in this position? Why is she in that position? But you don't actually know, one, if they're in that position, you know, what's happening behind closed doors, what's happening when they return from work and get home. And also in terms of like your body comparison and stuff like that, it's almost almost decreasing people's self-worth just by you comparing yourself to somebody that might have used steroids, you know, might have unreal genetics, you know, there's multiple different, things that people don't actually realize yeah you're absolutely right and, and it's a really int- important point to be made you know it is you know it, you're, you're seeing their show reel i've said that about things like you know facebook or you know i'm an older person so facebook was an area that i grew up with a little bit you know the last sort of 15 years i guess and but the reality was people would only ever show the good stuff of their lives you know when people go on holiday they'll show you 50 photos of their holiday and they're all good photos you know, they don't show you the kids kicking off, the arguments, the constant requests for ice creams. You know, the, that's what we've got to remind ourselves. And so we are trying to compete at that level of, you know, perfectionism. And, and I worry about that because that brings so many challenges mentally to people. You know, and, and, and we see that right now. The challenge you've got right now is because of lockdown, because of the crisis that we're in, or, you know, we're hopefully coming a little bit through the other side now to, so long as we don't get a second wave. Is, is people have spent a lot of time in social media, you know, looking, watching, you know, TikTok's become such a sort of phenomenon for lots of people now. And, and you know, these social media channels have a responsibility in this, you know, and as soon as you start getting negative feedback from people or you start getting comments from people that aren't 
positive, it has a real impact. Genuinely does. You know, cyberbullying is huge. Um, it's something that we have to be very, very conscious of. You know, shaming people because of the way they look, shaming people because of the way that they, they talk or whatever is really challenging. And it has a massive impact. And it's interesting that you say that because I was doing a bit of research on the whole social media, body comparison and low self-esteem. And I actually came up with my own kind of quote and it, okay. it, goes, it goes along these lines. So perfection is an insecurity and it's a relentless pursuit for something that doesn't actually exist. Brilliant. Yep. And you know what? What happens when you get to perfection? What do you do then? Exactly. You, know, you can't go above where you think is perfect, but people will always try to. And that's the challenge. It's like happiness too, right? You know, happiness is a journey, not a destination. We have to be mindful because just because I'm smiling today and I feel happy and I can laugh, it doesn't mean that that's going to be the same situation tomorrow necessarily. I have to practice that. I have to, I have to keep working on it and hope that it is going to be a happy day tomorrow. You know, only takes one phone call, one update from the news or whatever. And suddenly we can feel those sort of declines. And it, it's almost the same with materialistic items and searching for materialistic items in a bid to increase your mental health. Let's say yeah. you get to a point where you've got all the best designer bags, you're driving around in a Range Rover, you've got six figures in the bank, but, but then what, when you get to that stage, then what, what happens then? You've got all the, all the yeah. kind of the short term pleasures in life. Then what happens after that? You know, it's fascinating. I, and I'll give you, I'll give you one reality of my world, you know, what I experienced. So I was in that, situation when i lost my job in 2016 i didn't have a range rover but um but i was in that situation where i was earning a lot of money i was doing a job that had a lot of authority and a lot of sort of responsibility i was managing a team across the whole world and and i lost it overnight which meant my income went from you know high earner to nothing and that was hard because it was hard but it was actually the best lesson that ever, i was ever taught which was to value the things that are important to you and the value to me then turned into having close friends, acquaintances, family members that supported me. And none of them looked at me and went, well, you need to go and get another job that paid you that money. They all looked at me and said, we need to help support you to come back and do the right thing. And you know what? I don't earn as much money now, but I'm 10 times happier in myself. I've got a much better balance in my world. I manage my own company, which means I'm very fortunate to choose when I work and when I take time off. And if I want to go and play golf, which I do try to do once or twice a week. And now since we've gone back, that's great. But that's something that I've created. And I don't envy people earning lots of money with lots of power. I don't envy people who have more material things because I'm happy. You know, I'm happy with what I have now. And it took me a long time to realize that it isn't about money. And I've always been the same myself. If I was to work maybe 30 hours a week as opposed to 60 hours a week, but earn less money and be much more happy, much more valued of my time, you know, my relationships with people, the, the time I spend on myself, on my habitual stuff like, you know, meditation, you know, um, reading, listening to podcasts, recording podcasts, I'd much rather do that than value my idea of success on how much comes into the bank once a month. There you go. And you just tapped straight into 24 hour humans there. Good man. You know, um, cause you're investing your time. A hundred percent. And just touching on what I said previously about, you know, people that have opened up to me before, um, how, how would you deal with somebody that opens up to you? Because I'm almost of the opinion that I'd like somebody to be brutally honest with me because that's how I would react best. 
Yeah, you know, everybody's different, right? This is the reality again. It's that everybody's different. But what's really important is, you know, I get a lot of people open up to me because, you know, the work I do, the, the role that I've got in, in sort of the world in terms of discussing mental health, being honest and open about my own mental health experiences as well. Um, you know, I'm not sure everybody would want that approach of, you know, a bit of hard love. And that's, that's sort of the reality. Some people want just to be able to talk. Um, another role that I do actually have is I'm a Samaritan as well. And I've been a Samaritan for a few years now. And, and it's fascinating how just enabling a conversation by just listening um, can have a big, big impact on individuals. So, you know, I always encourage my friends to talk to me. I always encourage others to talk to me. But what I make really clear is that whatever you're telling me, I can't fix. I can't change you. So I can't give you a tool that will change your problem necessarily. So I listen and I help you to process your thinking. And that's what we've all got to learn to do better. Because when your friends start to talk to you about being feeling depressed and things, yes, there are you know, tendencies that we've got where you might want to say, come on, just get on with it. And it all is situational as well. If you're in a, a, a role where you need to take risks and things, sometimes you need to kick up the bum to be able to get on and do it. Or, you know, I'm talking about things like presenting to people. I'm not talking about extreme sort of levels of sort of military and things like that. But, but sometimes you do need a bit of a kick to just get yourself going. But actually supporting somebody and encouraging them, and that's a real, really important part of that conversation, is encouraging them to do something with that challenge. Because, you know, as a Samaritan or as a mental health trainer or as a supporter of others and as a father and a husband and so on, when somebody's got a problem, I can't fix it. I've got to help them to find the way to fix it. And so take responsibility. Ownership is actually the best part of taking that responsibility is first and foremost accepting that I've got a problem. So if I'm telling you I've got depression, first thing you want to understand is, okay, is that because you think you've got depression or is that because you've been diagnosed with depression? Because a lot of people won't be diagnosed. They'll just, you know, you hear this often where people say, oh, I've got OCD or I've got anxiety disorder or, or issues, but we need to understand the severity of some of that. Sometimes it's just a bit situational. Right now, because of the current crisis, lots of people will be feeling a lot more heightened anxiety and a lot more stress about the situations. There's lots of worries about financials. There's lots of worries about job security. There's lots of worries about worries. And we have to try to understand what that means to that person. And then maybe we need to kick them up the bum to do something. But actually encouraging them to take action is important. You can't get an alcoholic to stop drinking unless they can accept that they've got a problem with drinking. And that's exactly the same challenge we have with all types of mental health. And I know that's a really terrible analogy to bring into this conversation, but it is a reality. You know? Yeah, I love everything you just said there. And I might be going a little bit off topic, but I actually watched nice. your TED Talk. And you mentioned about going up to talk to the old woman in the coffee shop that was on her own. Yeah. And yeah. I almost feel like people think that if we go over and talk to this person, we don't know we're we're invading their space where we're almost perceived as being a weirdo or, you know, I feel like there's, there's, there's much more scope for people to go and talk to people. I'm one of the people yeah. that I, I enjoy talking to people, even if it's, you know, the guy, the guy at the bus stop or, you know, the guy in the supermarket or it feels like people, uh, this comes to social media again, people are more yeah. focused on, how many likes and followers they're getting on the phone instead of the people in life that need help people that are in front of you. And I think that's, I think that's been generated by people just being scared of strangers. You know, it's, it's inbred into us as children, you know, don't talk to strangers. And it feels like now we're telling everybody not to talk to strangers, you know, and, 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 and this is the reality, you know, 9 million people in this country living in loneliness, you know, and that's a big problem. 
you know, we've created more because of isolation, because of this current crisis. You know, when I spoke to that old lady, I, I just gave her 10 minutes of my time to have a chat. And it was the most brilliant conversation. I just remember it vividly because she just asked me about, do I know where she lived? You know, not where she lived, but in the town she lived in. I didn't know. So she gave me a bit of a history of it. And it was just nice. She was sat there on her own. She was sat there for half an hour on her own, you know, staring at the wall. She didn't have a phone. She had a coffee. That was it. And it was just nice, you know, and I do that all the time to people that I feel, you know, they, they probably are lonely. We have a lot of issues with that in society today and, and we can all do something to improve that. And it's just about being kind, right? That's, it's just, kindness is a gift. And I think that's something that I'm so, you know, passionate about encouraging people to do more about. We had Mental Health Awareness Week recently in May um, and the theme of that was kindness. And it was very much a case of, you know, paying forward kindness in a lot of ways. And it can be just a conversation. It doesn't have to be, you know, luxurious gifts, conversation, a text message, send a card to somebody, do something just to surprise them that they're not expecting. And actually you will leave a huge impact on that person. Because the thing is, you, you don't understand how much that, that kind of comment can do to somebody's self-esteem or their day, you know, yeah let's say the hair looks nice or, you know, the, the shoes they're wearing or just anything that, that you can say to someone that can improve the way that they feel about themselves or, you know, yeah. I feel like today people, people, they're just, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like people are scared to be nice, not scared to be nice, but it feels like if you'd be nice to someone, you're trying to, you're trying to get something back in return. And it's, it's not like that. Yeah, there is, you know, that big reality of ulterior motives, you know, what's the motive behind this? You know, are you, why are you asking me or saying these things? And, and I hate that as well. I find that really, you know, I just want to be genuine with people. You know, I think, I think what we need right now is a lot more genuine and authentic people, honest conversations about honest things. And, you know, some people will like it. Some people won't choose to like it. You know, I think in business, we need to see more authenticity. I think the best leaders are the ones that talk openly about things that are important. Um, and same in society, you know, it's, it's so important to, to be kind to each other. We saw a lot of that starting actually when, you know, tragically Caroline Flack decided to end her life. Um, you know, when, when the be kind movement started coming through that obviously got sort of shut down, not shut down, but it got put on the back burner because of COVID and because of the crisis. Um, but the reality is it's always going to be there. And the more we can be kind to other people, and that could just be investing a little bit of time listening to some of their challenges, the better we can all experience this journey of life together. And I genuinely feel that because it's, it's important. You know, we want to enjoy our lives, surely. Everybody wants to have a, a nice life, a good life, a happy life. And that doesn't mean an abundance of things. It just means an abundance of kindness, happiness, and love, and all those human connections that we need. Yeah, and I think everything you said there is perfect and makes much uh, makes a lot of sense. But in terms of what I'm about to say now, I mean, some people might perceive it as a bit controversial. But in terms of the whole kind of mental health awareness week, um, yep. it's something that I feel um, can be pretty pointless without actionable behaviours. So what I mean by okay. that is, um, if mental health awareness can be challenged into actually dealing with the issues around it, then that would obviously be ideal. But, but, yep. but the thing is with raising awareness is it's just the start of the process, not the end. So there's obviously a lot of work that needs doing and it, it, it can be pointless if there isn't any action to follow up. So yep. let's say I'm a heavy drug user. Let's say I'm um, abusing cocaine, for example. Um, if I attend an awareness campaign and you know lots of people are helping me to be aware of the fact I abuse cocaine, 
how does that change my uh, my addiction to drugs? It doesn't change it. It just increases my awareness. And I think it's important that we we use the awareness to take action and to help people take action. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's ultimately what awareness should be about. You know, it's I'm very clear when I when I communicate around that sort of mental health awareness week. We've got Samaritan's Day coming up on the 24th of July. We've got World Suicide Prevention Day. You know, in September and and so on. And but I'm really clear when when this when this week finishes, it does. It's not like Christmas decorations. You know, this isn't put it back in the box, put it away up in the loft for the next year because it comes around once a year, of course. But it's there all the time, and it's trying. Then you know, I think it's a good good idea because it brings a real focal point to it although there's still a lot of people that don't know it's going on um and i you know i live inside the bubble of mental health so you know i i see it and i assume people see it but they don't and i think that's a big thing we have to take forward you know is is encouraging people to continue those behaviors those habits last year um was about body imaging um the year before was about stress this year has been about kindness it was going to be about sleep but it changed quite quickly it pivoted as we went into lockdown um, and so we have to sort of remind ourselves that kindness continues. And I've seen that. And actually, I have seen that over the last few weeks since that Mental Health Awareness Week, where, you know, even yesterday, right, one, of my, one of my team got a, a hamper from somebody randomly who sent it to them to, you know, just as an act of kindness. And I think we all just need to think about it. You know, that small gesture, that small thing, those compliments that you say, Josh, they're all important elements of kindness. And we've all got an abundance of kindness in us and we can use it. Yeah, um, I completely agree with everything you've just said again. Um, but just touching up on one of the last topics is kind of how to prevent mental health. So I'm almost of the opinion that we are who we surround ourselves with and what we allow ourselves to absorb. So mm -hmm. I have many things that I do myself. So like my morning routine, my structure of my day, so my to-do list. And I also have my happy list, which is a list of things that I can actively go and do to improve my mood. So it might be go to the gym, watch a podcast on YouTube, play on the PlayStation, go for a long walk, watch live sport. And I feel like actively having them things in your life won't stop mental health, but it can prevent mental health. Okay, yeah, I just want to be clear on the definition because obviously we've all got mental health, so we can't stop our mental health. It's always there. I think what we yeah. can do is encourage, you know, so, so just to encourage positive mental health, I think is what we're trying to achieve. You yeah. know, that's the thing that's really important, isn't it? And when, when some of those things get taken away and, you know, then it's hard because, you know, those are our go-tos. Those are the things, you know, I started using the gym this year and, and getting back into that sort of activity. And then all of a sudden it's like, can't use it. And I was really enjoying it. Um, so then you have to find alternatives and you have to find other ways. And, and I think it's, it's a real interesting experience for lots of people. You know, I've, I've always been one that needs to know sort of structure. I need to know when things are going on, what's happening. I've spoken to so many people over the course of this lockdown and, and the, and the crisis. And, and it's fascinating to hear how everybody's experiencing it differently. You know, I've got some friends who are on furlough who are really excited and happy about that. They're like, yes, it's so cool. And I've got other friends who are on furlough that are scared, you know, to death about, what's going to happen next. So they can't find their, their rhythm. They can't find their routine. And I'm trying to encourage them to, to, to look after themselves. You know, I've always said my dream of this, this whole thing about mental health through this current challenges is that we can at least maintain where we were, you know, I, hopefully in a positive way. I mean, if we were struggling before um, we don't want to struggle more, but 
the reality is maintaining where we were when we come through the other side. So when we go back to those good things, the gym and the activities outside and meeting up with friends and socialising, we're actually quite mentally well prepared for that still, you know, and you really enjoy it. Um, but even that's changed slightly. I don't know how you feel, Josh, but I know, you know, the thought of going on an aeroplane now for me is, it's not interesting at the moment. You know, I'm still quite anxious about that thought. Um, although I did it for 20 years and over a thousand flights, but I still now feel like, okay, I don't want to risk anything at the minute. Um, but people deal with it differently. And I think that's the reality. Yeah, I almost think that we, I don't think we'll ever return to full normality. I think there'll always be kind of doubts and security procedures and extra kind of preventative measures just to, to keep kind of everything um, in, a, in a safe environment, if you like. But yep. um, in terms of the whole lockdown situation, this is probably probably one of the things that is going to affect and spike mental health in terms of a negative. Um, yep. what, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's feeling like, you know, maybe a little bit low, maybe a bit kind of scared about, you know, the whole situation, the uncertainty of life at the moment. Yeah. You know, I, the simplest piece of advice that I can give is that, you know, we need to talk about mental health. We need to continue this conversation. You know, we've heard about it, you know, it's been out there. We've been talking about it quite a lot. We are going to hear more um, feedback on it over the course of, you know, the next few months and years, because it's going to increase talking about it's really important. If you're worried, concerned, if you've got any issues, Samaritan's a really useful place to, to have a private conversation, confidential conversation, um, free to call on 116123. Um, you know, trying just to get that conversation going is really important. Because too many people right now, we know this, uh, are bottling it up. When people bottle it up, it becomes quite dangerous quite quickly because those overwhelming feelings, those over, overwhelming concerns, fears, they feel real. They feel like they're going to happen. For people who are anxious, it feels like it's the end of the world, you know, and things are going to be really bad. And I want to con confirm to people with anxiety or anybody that you might speak to or anybody that might listen to this podcast that, you know, 90% of anxieties don't happen. And that's important. So, you know, because you're feeling this is going to be the outcome, this is going to be terrible, it's going to be the worst situation, remind yourself that it's highly unlikely that will happen. And so be careful. You know, we want people to be open. We want people to talk to somebody. We want people to get the right help, of course. And, you know, societally, we have, an, we have a challenge, let's say, with accessibility to the right supports and so on. But if we take it personally for ourselves to try and help, firstly, ourselves. Yeah, so remember that self-awareness, being mindful of changes. And then secondly, try and help our neighbour, our friend, our colleague, our family member. I think that's what we've got to try and do. I mean, obviously, I'm quite kind of new to this subject. You're kind of in the position of, you know, the perceived expert, if you like, in terms of, I don't know much, you know, a lot more than me. But in terms of the whole kind of anxiety and stuff, I'm almost um, of, the, uh, of the impression that it's a feeling that, that won't kind of stay for a long time. You know, maybe it'll last for a few days and then it will just, it will start to, I don't know, I almost feel like it will start to change. It's, it's not something that, that stays continuously for days and days and days and you eventually it will really, start to well, it really does depend yeah, it really does depend you know because anxiety disorders there's a difference between anxiety we all have anxiety we all have small anxieties about certain situations perhaps you know um if i asked you to do a presentation you're not happy and comfortable then you might start to experience some you know some signs of anxiety the challenge we've got is there's quite a lot of people in society who have anxiety disorders and there's a whole range of different anxiety disorders from obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress, 
and they're likely triggered by something that's happened previously. And when you get to that trigger point, maybe with something like post-traumatic stress, and we hear a lot about that in terms of sort of military personnel, although actually one of the interesting facts that a lot of people don't know is that uh, there's a much higher level of, of females uh, experiencing post-traumatic stress after the birth of a child. Um, you know, so those triggers can be, you know, switched and then it can, pro you know, then the anxiety become overwhelming or consuming and unable then to function, you know, properly through it. And, and I think it's fascinating because we need to understand more about people's worries, their concerns, their anxieties, and sometimes even to the point of understanding why they have those theories. I had one with mine with my post-traumatic stress, which was around a certain sentence that triggers my sort of anxiety and I can feel the anxiety build up. It, it's totally irrational. It's totally irrational when, I, when you hear the words and, and the sentence is a simple sentence, but it had this real sinister impact to it, which was, which was the thing that created my trauma. And that's something we have to be ready, you know, ready to encourage people to be open about. Because if I know what triggers some of your challenges, your anxieties, maybe I can support those. And am I right in saying that anxiety or like the simplified version of anxiety is where we create things in our head that haven't even, ha haven't even happened yet? Yeah, definitely. So it's all about sort of the futures. Um, you know, so we've got this fight, flight and freeze thing about us, which has been around since many years ago, which was our reaction to certain situations. Um, but the reality is that what that's doing is it's protecting us. And that's what anxiety is trying to do. It's trying to protect you from from doom, you know, from 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 the end. Um, so it does extreme things to you and it gives extreme messages to your brain. And there's this wonderful world, uh, sorry, wonderful word that I love within the mental health world, which is this word of catastrophizing. I don't know if you've ever come across it, but it's basically just the way your brain will come up with the worst case scenario for every outcome. So you won't be able to see, you know, if your boss says, I want to see you on Thursday, if you're struggling with anxiety, all you're thinking is, that's it, I'm fired. You may have had a great day, you may have done something really good, but your anxiety will overwhelm it and say, you know, you're not, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you've done a bad job. And that's hard. You know, that's why mental health, if, until we learn to talk about it, we need to appreciate how tiring and draining it actually is because it does just take over. You know, it's the only thing, it's the thing you think about first thing in the morning when you wake up and it's the thing you think about the last thing at night before you hopefully will go to sleep. And it um, just takes over. And I, f I feel like with mental health as well, the majority of the time is when you're, you know, in bed, when you're alone, when you're kind of away from everybody and when you start to overthink and when you start to kind of think irrationally as well. And yeah. I'm going to relate it to, I'm not sure if you have read The Chimp Paradox, Mind Management yeah. by Professor yeah. Steve Peters. And it's, it's, it's a great way of putting it in terms of you've got your human brain, you've got your chimp brain, and then you've got your computer and your human is focusing on like the facts and the information that you know and then like you've got the chimp which is very irrational very aggressive and doesn't kind of doesn't kind of give any time to to see the bigger picture if that makes sense yeah and i feel that controlling your chimp can be can be something that can that can really help you going forward yeah definitely good you know good shout out on that as well i think it's a really useful resource for people to understand a bit more about this there's definitely the paradox between some of the challenges that we're experiencing um yeah you know i, I well you know, it's hard because anxiety will show itself in many different ways there's actually over 100 different physical signs of anxiety believe it or not and it's you know so we can tune into these things but it's when you see somebody struggling often we don't address it and often we don't you know it's the old lady in the in the in the cafe you know sort of that 
she might have shown some signs of worries, anxieties, but who would go and talk to her? And I think that's the same with friends. I think it's the same with families, same with colleagues, you know, at work. We see them struggling. We struggle to go and help them because we're not sure. We don't want to say the wrong. And often I get this when I talk to people about, you know, but I don't want to say the wrong thing. And I say, well, saying nothing is the wrong thing. When you see somebody that you're worried about, when you see a concern, when you see something that you're not comfortable with, the worst thing to do is just to go, oh, well, somebody else will deal with it. Because then if everybody has that attitude, nobody will ever help. And that's what we've got to change. Yeah, and I think that is completely right in terms of going forward. But just in terms of wrapping up the podcast, have you got yep. anything you would like to share? Any kind of words of wisdom? Any final kind of positive messages, insights? Anything that could potentially help people? In a short yeah, definitely. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so, you know, I've, I've got a million words I can use. And, and I, I do often when I talk to people, um, yeah, it's trying to shut me up sometimes. It's in, you know, it can be harder. But, but the reality is, you know, we've all got this wonderful responsibility as individuals um, to take better care of ourselves and to take as much care as we can for others. And there's a real, you know, you, you hear it often about the, the, um, the, air, the air thing coming down on an aeroplane, you know, when, when the oxygen thing comes down, you know, they say, put yours on first and then support others. And I think that's the thing we've all got to take on board. We've all got to learn that maintaining our own mental health is such an important element before we support others. And often people use supporting others as an excuse. And the reason I say that is because I became a Samaritan in 2015. I had my mental health crisis in 2016, a year later. And it's only recently that I've realized that the only reason I became a Samaritan in 2015 is because I was struggling. And I think that's an important message for people. Because often we'll deflect away from our own problems and we'll find a way to support others and say, oh, yeah, but I don't have time to look after me. I don't have time. And I genuinely and honestly say we have to do that better. We have to do that through making ourselves aware of what mental health really is. And I think this, this podcast series and the things you're doing, Josh, are fantastic in raising awareness. And no matter how many people hear this or how many people participate, even if it's only one, it's important because somebody's hearing the message is we take responsibility, we take ownership of our own mental health and well-being. We continue to do the good stuff because we know what the bad things are. We know that doing nothing is not good for us. We know that drinking more is not going to be good for us. We know that maybe taking more drugs isn't going to be good for us. But we have to be conscious of that. So take those choices, help ourselves through that, help others where we can, and that's really important. If you're struggling yourself, try not to help too many others and i think that's what we've got to try and do there's so many other elements to this that are so important make sure we're aware educate people and then provide some level of first line support because i'm not saying you know i don't train people to become doctors and psychotherapists and, and all these things but what i do train people to do is to have an uh, enable a conversation and support and encourage people to change what's going on for themselves and although I'm not kind of too big on the mental health in terms of what I know about the subject, but if this podcast can help at least one person, then I can hold my hands up and say, you know, maybe I've contributed to the way they feel. Or if somebody can send me a message saying, you know, listen, you saved me from X, Y, Z, then I can hold my hands up and be proud of the fact that, you know, I've put this out there for people. You know, it's only an hour of their time to listen to it. And if it helps people, yeah. then much so on your behalf, you know, I appreciate your input and, using this platform to get it out there. But what I'm going to finish on is I've got a little bit of analogy to kind of bring into context. So our body is a machine 
and our brain is our power unit. We must be careful of what comes in and what comes out. We must protect our power unit and don't fuel it with things that will cause it to malfunction. Love it. Sounds good. And I think that pretty much wraps everything up. So can you tell the people listening where they can find you, um, what you can offer if they need your help and anything else you want to share? Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, so my company is Simpler Healthy Solutions. Um, we do mental health training. We support organizations today. Um, we have open courses for anybody that wants to learn how to support the conversation of mental health. Lots of things going on. Um, you can catch us on simpler.com, which is S-I-M-P-I-L-A.com. And yeah, feel free to connect with us. Um, you can connect with me on, on LinkedIn if anybody's interested. And yeah, check out the TEDx talk as well, 24-Hour Humans, because um, I think it's an important message. I think we can all, you know, hopefully learn that busy is normal, um, but how busy also is avoiding what we need to do. So yeah, lots of ways you can contact us. And again, I just want to repeat, the Samaritan's number for anybody that might need it is 116-123. Um, never feel ashamed to call Samaritans. It's there for everybody. And if you're experiencing any crisis, any challenges, then it's there for you. So, yeah, that's all I need to say. And I appreciate your time. Um, you're obviously a busy person and you didn't have to do this, but you chose to do it, which I appreciate. And, yeah, let's just, let's just kind of bring, bring an environment together by being kind, like you mentioned before, you know, not being nice just for just for the sake of it, but being nice because we should be nice is the reason yep. why people will, you know, bring the societies of people together and help to make the world a better place, which is something we're thriving to and something that I think will always be uh, will always be the driving force. Brilliant. I'm with Love you there. You enjoy the rest of your week and I appreciate you coming on. And for the people that have listened so far, if you can share this and maybe tag us on my Instagram. I'm not sure if you've got Instagram, Matthew. Yeah, I've got lots of social tags, but I can't ever remember what they are, unfortunately. Okay, no worries. But um, if everybody is listening so far still, if you can screenshot this, if you can share it on your Instagram stories, we'll get it out there to people. We'll increase the awareness. We'll, we'll help as many as we can. And other than that, I hope you all enjoy the rest of your week and take it easy. Matthew, I'm going to leave you and I'm going to thank you for everything that you've, you've put out there for us. But You're other welcome. than that, take it easy, guys, and peace. See you later, Matthew. See you later. Take care. Cheers, mate. Cheers, bye.